we've had some opportunity costs and those opportunity costs gave us a chance really to see and compare how the simulations would have done essentially. And sure enough, those would have picked up those traits. In other words, I guess our gains would have been enhanced further. As you know, the industry has done greatly in 2014, and uh, it's nice that for, for us, uh, in the end, we've come up with still fairly decent numbers. But yes, there was an opportunity cost in terms of we could have done better. This is Arif Karim, founder and CEO of Quality Capital Management, and you are listening to my year in review on Top Traders Unplugged. Imagine spending an hour with the world's greatest traders. Imagine learning from their experiences, their successes, and their failures. Imagine no more. Welcome to Top Traders Unplugged, the place where you can learn from the best hedge fund managers in the world so you can take your manager due diligence or investment career to the next level. Here's your host, veteran hedge fund manager, Niels Kostrup Larsen. Welcome back, Arif, for this review of 2014, where we look at the big events from the point of view of your trading strategies. I would like to explore the ups and the downs, as well as the big takeaway from what can only be described as a great year for systematic trading strategies in general. But as you and I know, just because you're systematic in your trading, it doesn't necessarily mean that your strategies deals with the market events in a similar way. But before we jump into the year as such, could I ask you, or I would like to ask you to remind people just very briefly about the two strategies that, that you run and the difference between them. Um, thank you, Niels. Um, thank you for, for having me back. Yeah. Pleasure. Um, Yes, so, so the, the, the two um, offerings we have, uh, one's the flagship, which is the Global Diversified Program, uh, and that's pretty much descriptive and, and kind of um, says it all that it is very much of a diversified program in the line of uh, most what most CTAs trade. So effectively, you have equities, um, fixed income, um, uh, currencies and uh, in addition you have commodities. Sure. Um, the Alpha Financials program um, was uh, basically designed or came out of a specific uh, mandate that uh, one uh, institution investor had requested of us back in 2012. And that essentially trades everything other than commodities. Okay. Uh, the underlying strategy is um, uh, very, very similar. However, um, people often think that it's a carve-out. It isn't as a, a carve-out as such. Uh, sure. The reason being that the performance is not um, as though if you just took commodities out and put the rest together. Um, Say so it's more because of our nature and style of trading, uh, the overall returns can be um, somewhat different. Sure, absolutely great. I appreciate that. <clears throat> now tell me a little bit about 2014 from your perspective both in terms of how the year evolved for the strategies and, and maybe also for the firm firm as a whole? Yes. Um, I, 
2014 for us, um, having had a quite a setback in terms of assets, um, um, as has been the case with a number of managers in sure. the industry, we were in the process of kind of uh, revamping and focused all our efforts in terms of keeping the uh, the infrastructure side very fairly similar, somewhat uh, downsized, but um, with a lot of focus on uh, the research side. So. Sure. Uh, what started in late 2013 as a uh, part of an upgrade um, in our um, overall um, systems and strategies uh, continued through the course of 2014. And then in October 2014, uh, we put in the last um, set of uh, upgrades to complete, if you like, what we would call a reasonably major um, a review okay. of our of our strategies, which um, we feel um, have in some ways demonstrated even through the last quarter, although there have been greater opportunities there, but it, they, those uh, upgrades have demonstrated the capability of the uh, more enhanced strategies. So we're looking forward uh, to the future, really, in terms of uh, the utilization of this. What, um, was the, what was the focus of the upgrades, Arif, if I can ask? Yeah, so, so um, we, uh, back in 2013, we effectively got rid of um, uh, an indicator type of an approach in terms of determining directions and markets, uh, which I think I touched on in the yes, last interview, you did. Yeah. Um, which uh, makes us uh, somewhat uh, different from um, most managers who tend to use, as you know, um, some sort of directional indicators, whether it's in the trend-following world, it would be breakouts or averages or regression analysis of some sort. Um, we've kind of moved away completely from using any of those, and uh, we've had a, a, a volatility-driven kind of uh, approach that we designed back in 2005, and uh, we empowered those um, considerably more so that the direction part of it is also in a way determined by that. So in other words, uh, rather than focusing on whether a market is going to go up or down and then deciding on one, what weight to uh, place on it, we've almost flipped it around and what we sort of focus on is more the weighting element okay. and, then, and then the volatility part kind of corrects for the directional uh, aspect of it, so it is completely inverted, if you like, you yeah. know, and and that makes uh, we believe uh, the strategy um, a lot more adaptive and powerful, mm -hmm. uh, so that it's kind of in a way based on really asset allocation, uh, but in the shorter term context, let's say risk allocation. So it's pretty dynamic and fluid and not, um, uh, we don't have to worry about uh, whether a certain price trigger has gone on the upside or downside and flipping signals. It's a very much a continuous rebalancing uh, portfolio exercise. Sure. Very interesting indeed. Um, now, both of your programs had a good year last year. If you look at them uh, maybe separately, um, what were the biggest contributors, both on the the upside and 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 the downside during 2014? Yes, uh, so the uh, upside um, uh, again, you know, t taking if you like the uh, the uh, overall high level allocation trade uh, was in our case um, essentially played out by um, being basically long US and uh, essentially short um, the. 
uh, Europe and emerging markets. Uh, and that kind of, in a way, manifests itself by um, sort of being long the US dollar. Uh, our largest gains actually came from the deflation trade in, in Europe, in other words, through Germany in particular, right. because of the uh, problems that have been unfolding in Germany. Um, and the expectation of QE, et cetera. So that's kept the bunds, for example, German fixed income very mm. strong. Mm. And in fact, when we look at the attribution of the returns um, um, beyond the sector level into the market level, we find that the largest uh, gains have come from um, the European, uh, from rather the German kind of uh, fixed income across the curve from uh, the Euribor to the Bunds, Bobble, Schatz, uh, and also UK. Um, right. The fixed income gilts would provide handsome uh, gains for us, and so did short, short sterling from the uh, fixed income part of it. Um, the uh, rest of it has been. Um, We've kind of kept the hedge with our long equity position right. through most of the year. Um, and uh, the equity positions have actually cost us, but that's okay. That's sure. part of the hedge, if you like, against the gains of the um, the, the uh, fixed income side of it. Um, the other big trade has been the, the long dollar trade. Mm. Now, uh, admittedly, we've been a bit late in coming into the long dollar play in a more aggressive way as we did towards the latter part of the year of 2014, uh, and part of that has been the slowness, if you like, uh, from our side in terms of implementing those, um, uh, the enhancements, the upgrades that uh, I mentioned of earlier. Um, but anyway, that's been put right, and we, we enjoyed at least the last quarter, uh, particularly November, December, and continuing on, January is going fairly well. Sure. And did you see the same sort of... Uh pattern to the year as many other people where actually Q1 was quite challenging and then slowly got better and then really accelerated towards the end of the year? Um, yes, I, uh, I think Q1 for us and the diversified, uh, we're down about 3-4%. Um, okay. uh, and then in the middle, you know, the second quarter was uh, reasonably positive. That was good. Uh, the third quarter was again a little bit uh, up and down. July was down three. August was up five. We probably underperformed in August relative to other managers. And uh, and again, when we look at the simulations uh, based on our upgrades, we would have done better. But anyway, that aside. Sure. Um, but um, uh, the the big uh, ch chunk of the gains, in fact, came in the last quarter in November okay. uh, and December when um, uh, another trade I forgot to mention is on the commodity side, of course, with oil yeah, collapsing right. from right. uh, mid-June at 100 bucks to 150, 60% drops. So sure. That was kind of uh, very helpful for us as well from the short side, yeah. Yeah. Now, the year as a whole, uh, you mentioned there were some big moves and, and there certainly was uh, in, in, in many of uh, commodity markets. Um, I was not so much going to, I mean, I've asked some of my other guests about whether they felt that there were anything uh, when looking at the year as a whole. Obviously, people, when you make money, you don't necessarily focus on, on, on the negatives, but, but actually we should always focus on where we can improve, where we can learn. But I was more interested in, in, in um, finding out whether the year as a whole, given the fact that you had so many new things that you wanted to implement and, and indeed did implement, was it more a year for you to validate those things that you've been working on uh, in, in a sense? 
I think so, yes. Uh, I mean, the when I look at the simulations of our um, strategy for um, how 2014 would have panned out, um, um, I guess where we would have made significantly more gains, as have a lot of managers uh, in the industry, uh, uh, would have been in the FX side, in particular right. with the long dollar play, because we would have probably gone in a bit earlier um, rather than so late. So that was, I mean, so we've had some opportunity costs, and those opportunity costs gave us um, uh, a chance really to see and compare how the uh, simulations would have done essentially. And um, sure enough, those would have picked up those trades. In other words, I guess our gains would have been enhanced further. Uh, as you know, the industry has done uh, greatly the, in 2014, and uh, it's nice that for, for us, uh, in the end, we've come up with still fairly decent numbers. Um, but yes, there was an opportunity cost in terms of we could have done better. Um, I think that uh, at the macro level, the top level, you know, our um, sort of the the power of the uh, strategy kind of in a way manifested itself in being able to selectively pick out Germany and certain countries, you know, for um, for for those gains. So it's been very opportunistic in coming in into the selectively into the energy sector in particular. Of course, that was an extremely, you know, uh, strong momentum-based trade, sure. uh, which everybody picked up on, you know, uh, or even for that matter, being live along the livestock in the early right, part of sure. the year, which, yeah. is, which has been pretty good, cattle, et cetera. And that's been one big big macro trade for us, which just stayed long for an extended period of time. Mm -hmm. Now, those things could have been a lot more um, uh, powered up, if you like, with the with the enhancements. Sure. But overall, um, I think uh, that uh, the commodity sector uh, or asset class as a whole continued to be um, challenging other than these um, opportunities that we've had. Sure. Uh, but metals, as you know, have been, mm -hmm. again, quite a difficult one to yeah. to to play out uh and this again uh is um, um validated by when we look at the commodities index like the uh, bloomberg commodity index i mean for for the, for the fourth year in a row i mean it's been negative mm. so it just shows that uh, uh, you know when the beta is kind of retreating away in a very gradual f f uh, you know way is very very difficult for um, long vol type of um, um, strategies to come in and kind of, you know, we tend to like those moves like obviously oil don't come around every every other day. It's, it's, it's a rare one. But, you know, um, when they do, you don't want, you want to make sure that you're on that trade, you know, because uh, as you know, with CTAs and these kind of long vol strategies, you know, um, oftentimes the returns come in lumpy fashion, you know, for a while this is fairly quiet. And then, you know, it's, it's got that huge optionality that just uh, um, provides that, uh, that explosive opportunity, if you like. You, know. you make some good points here, uh, Arif, that I just want to reiterate, namely that some of the best opportunities in 2014 were really opportunities that no one 
talked about no one predicted i mean you don't read the news and see oh i think you know cattle is going to be one of the best contributors in 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 the coming year you certainly didn't see any experts coming out saying that oil was going to drop by 50 percent and another theme that nobody really uh, has talked about or anticipated was the decision on thursday from the swiss from, from the swiss national bank to decide to leave the peg to the euro so let's stay with the theme um uh, and 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 shift to that particular one how did that how did you fare through uh, such an event which um, at least if you look at sort of the traditional way of calculating volatility and and standard deviation and so on and so forth this was a move that in theory should never have happened yet it did which of course as a, as a strategy um, you know we are prepared for um, but how, how did you specifically um, deal with a situation like that? Well, ours is a portfolio, so um, obviously it's fairly well diversified in uh, when you, in the context of the diversified program. We've got 114 instruments. Now, the Swiss markets do play uh, a part in the portfolio. We um, have SMI, the equity index. Sure. We we have the um, 10-year bonds, the CONFs, and then we did used to have in the past the Euro-Swiss, which we dropped out um, when rates went negative. Um, um, what is it, three, two, three years ago. Sure. And um, the Swiss franc obviously is a, <clears throat> is a currency that we continue to trade. Now, um, the move itself, as we all know, was uh, was a real shock move. I mean, mm. you know, it was just um, unexpected. And I think that the people are still questioning the execution of, um, of, sure. of that decision, whether it was done in the right way. Why not just move the 120, you know, ceiling down to yeah. 110 or whatever, rather than just, uh, you know, you know, kind of uh, open it up completely, you know, and, and sure. it was a real shocker. Now, uh, going into the day, I think it was Thursday, um, going yeah. into the day, we um, continued to remain long uh, the SMI. Uh, we had been pairing back our European equity position um, for for a while now. In fact, when we look at our, our um, asset uh, allocation weights, if you like, over the year, sure. you know, we started about 30-40% of our risk budget in, in, the, in equities at the beginning of the year and we ended, um, you know, at about, um, well now it's about 18 or so, but sure. uh, we're probably around 20%. So we had been scaling back. However, we, can, we still had a long position in the SMI as we have with across the board in equity Mm. Um, and uh, we continue to um, hold a position in the Swiss bonds, which is doing well. Sure. And we were short the Swiss against the dollar, as most people would have. You know. yeah. um, so that spike, uh, what is it, 30, 40 percent on the currency at one, <laughs> at one stage. Now, it is an intraday spike. Our position's not been uh, large in the scale, in, in this, in the, uh, on a relative basis, in this, um, uh, on a rel- relative to the overall portfolio. Sure. So um, uh, overall, uh, yes, we lost in the Swiss trades that we had about two to three percent, but we made in the other fixed income and other trades uh, that we held uh, as a, in the portfolio. Sure. So that net net on the day we ended with just being down fifty beeps. You know? sure. um, so 
you know, and that, that's that's fine. That's you know, given the magnitude of that move, uh, the fact that uh, a portfolio is so well insulated mm. through diversification and and through having our fixed income, and, and you know, in across the board, so that the damage was not uh, not not too bad. But no. and then we just let the portfolio align itself. So obviously, you mentioned a vol, yeah, um, the extensive vol. So that's going to, but it's kind of after the event, obviously, because no one was anticipating that. So you know those positions will be um, scaled down to probably negligible amounts. You know by uh, within a day or two. Sure, sure. No, I appreciate. Uh, I appreciate that uh, insight. Now, um, because of your uh, experience, Arif, I want to deviate a little bit from my usual questions in doing this review because I think this. Uh, is something that you might have a, a, a view on, which I think could be quite useful, given what's happened, and 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 let alone what happened on Thursday, but given uh, the events of last year, given the fact that uh, CTAs as a whole uh, had a strong year, um, in a year where there were no disasters, we didn't, you know, they didn't make money because suddenly the world was coming to an end, and 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 uh, equity markets were crashing or anything like that. Um, if you put your old investor hat, which of course we all know that you were wearing for quite a while, and I'm sure you still keep in touch with many of these uh, very large institutional investors around the world, do you feel that the conversation or the uh, attitude uh, was or is changing given that uh, we saw these events last year, given the way uh, CTAs or systematic strategies were coping with them, um, and maybe also in relationship to the fact that maybe some other strategies weren't coping so well. Did you feel that investors are noticing this and be becoming more um, interested again? Well, I, I think, uh, as you know, I, I've been a great advocate of, um, of the managed future space for years and years, sure. uh, and I believe in it um, uh, passionately. Um, we know, like all um, investment strategies, that um, they do go through periods of um, being a little, you know, um, unsynced, if you like, and, and uh, underperformance um, follows. Um, and obviously, nobody expected that the uh, the length of this underperformance in our managed futures um, strategy would last um, as long as it did. Um, but once again, uh, it brings home the um, the role that managed futures really plays in um, in any portfolio. That it sh it shows that how. Uncorrelated. I mean, when you look at 2014, um, you look at the the the, the uh, you know consider the huge uncertainty that um, the uh, rates kind of area played right. in everybody's kind of mind, and and consequently um, uh, with that nervousness, a lot of the managers, in fact, uh, and I'm talking about those discretionary managers, yes. not obviously the systematic ones, um, probably in a premature way started to scale back on fixed income, uh, anticipating rate rises, right? Uh, mm. And 
Quite rightly, because the Fed was making confused noises, etc., and almost suggesting that that was going to happen earlier than uh, than later, sooner than later. Um, and then when the numbers started to come out, and uh, and then they kind of almost backtracked on the whole thing. Uh, so they. Uh, missed out on um, the fixed income trade. Now, when I look at our own portfolio, for example, and I look at the attribution, the huge, by far, right. the most significant part of the um, gains have come really from fixed income. Sure. And that too, again, selectively from uh, the um, areas of uh, fixed income of the regions that um, where things were going slow and slower still, mm. slowing down still. Mm. So that, you know, in, in Europe, for example, as I mentioned earlier, so that was really uh, powerful. Now, these kind of, you know, um, bets that tend to um, kind of opportunistically be picked up through managed futures and our type of strategy by having the nimbleness, et cetera, um, and not almost predicting things, you know, right. and just on the fly uh, correcting your portfolio to suit whatever is happening in the real world. Mm. Um, you know, it, it just shows that that component, that element in any portfolio is required where there is an element of agnosticity, if you like, that you can put in uh, that brings a non-correlated feature into the portfolio mm. where you're not in the game of trying to predict what is how things are going to pan out uh, next year um, and almost let the markets uh, find their own way and, and determine the positioning of, uh, um, of, of a strategy. And this is where managed futures um, have been excellent through forever. I mean, since yeah. <laughs> and... Um, you know, and and 2014 again shows um, the way. Uh, I mean, some of the managers have done exceptionally well. I mean, sure. which is fantastic, uh, and that's great for the industry uh, mm. because it does, um, you know, hammer home. I guess the the point that how important this um, strategy is in any in any portfolio. So yes, uh, you know, um, long answer to the to the question, that's but right. you know, the the thing is that yes, uh, I I do think they ought to, and yeah. I think that they are. Yeah. institutions will again look at this strategy and say, okay, they were late in getting out right. and um, and now hopefully they will be fairly quick to correct that, you know. Yeah. But more importantly, I guess, if they do come back and if we do see a new inflow and, and maybe in, 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 in big size, given the fact that probably most investors are really underinvested in this strategy and, and uh, I guess proven by the fact that only 2% of the institutional investors that were asked at the end of December 2013 which strategies they would expect to do well in 14, only 2% said CTA. So I imagine that the other 98% probably aren't great supporters of the strategy. So to me, there is this risk that we see another repeat of the the inflows, at least, um, that we saw after 2008. But, but given your experience, Arif, how do we, how do we best avoid, how do we best caution investors uh, as they do start to make uh, new inroads um, about the strategy or the expectations maybe to the strategy so we don't see the big rush in and the equally big rush out yeah i i think that the um the most important element of it is the um 
trying to almost emphasize and establish the fact that this is a long-term permanent component in a portfolio mm. that ought not to be considered through um, a, a, as, as a timing uh, kind of device for extracting some additional alpha. Mm. Um, in other words, just, you know, finding the right cycles and saying, okay, CTA is going to be great and, and in this cycle and so bring those in. Because inevitably you're going to get it wrong. And the reason why you're going to get it wrong is because we ourselves don't know sure. when the next move is going to take place and how it's going to come about. Uh, yes, you may have some expectations, but at the end of the day, if you're running a systematic strategy, those expectations mean nothing because they're going to be overruled, if you like, by mm. um, the algorithms and, and you need to follow that. Um, now, um, in our case, obviously, we tried to make it a little bit more macro fundamental so that, you know, there's a little bit more intuition into it. but. You know, coming back to it is that also is that, you know, we need to, it's a process of kind of, um, I guess, uh, education. And I say education in a, in a kind of humble way, not because sure. everybody knows about these things. But what I'm talking about is really emphasizing and re-emphasizing through thought pieces, et cetera, and how important this strategy is. Um, and also giving some transparency into the strategies because... Uh, let's face it, as an institutional investor, one of the big put-off factors uh, for CTAs and managed futures is really the fact that they just don't understand it. It's almost like being sold a black box and uh, and just saying you'd say essentially you're expected to buy into numbers. And that's the last thing that they want to do. Mm. You know? They want to get a real sense of what is going on, how does the strategy work, you know, so that, you know, that gives them comfort as opposed to just buying into uh, a, a system without really knowing much more than to say, okay, it's trend following or um, mean reversionary or pattern recognition or whatever it is. Yeah. Mm. And on top of that, I would add, you know, hopefully they will also spend enough time to get to know the managers because at the end of the day, yes, absolutely. numbers yeah. numbers don't mean anything if you don't understand or don't know the story behind them. So, uh, so definitely right. do that. Now, and and yeah. it is a, it, it is a, a bit of a challenge because, um, um, as you know, most managers tend to try and keep the strategy very close to the chest, uh, and quite rightly, because it's part of their IP, they spent uh, many thousands of man hours on, on, on developing these things, and you just don't want to give everything away. You sure. don't want to give your edge away. So it's a you know fine balancing act in in terms of being able to still make an investor feel comfortable mm -hmm. that um, that there is. Uh, uh, enough there for them to get a good intuition into the strategy without necessarily giving all the nuts and bolts away. Sure. No, absolutely. Now, I've only sort of got one um, question left for uh, for this short episode, um, but is there anything that you would like to bring up uh, that you think is important to mention to to the listeners today as we sit here and, and uh, look into the uh, the new year? Well, I, I think that the new year is going to be exciting for um, for us. Um, the the trade we're looking at again at a macro level is essentially being, continue to remain long U.S., which is the uh, the stronger, more dominant economy, sure. um, and um, continue to play the deflationary trade in the rest of the world. So essentially, short Europe and emerging markets. You know, and in our case, uh, you know, we would 
be playing it by a combination of kind of uh, underplaying and selectively shorting appropriate uh, amount of risk assets and being long essentially fixed income rest of the world. Uh, again, in the US side uh, in particular, uh, where there's chances of a rate rise, so we're going to be, um, our systems are likely to um, keep a close eye on that sure. uh, to, to make sure that um, weight is lifted and, you know, positions lightened up um, mm. as and when required um, but the it's, it'll probably manifest itself uh, our portfolio positioning by being long the US dollar which we continue to and it has to because you know there's a huge divergence in rates right. uh, that are likely right. to take place uh, and now with the Swiss franc move as, as well you know so that that puts more pressure on the on the euro I mean say Europe is you know there's going to be great um, opportunities, continuing opportunities, I should say, in currencies, I think, uh, we would probably, you know, continue to stay long uh, fixed income, particularly Germany, again, because of the deflationary environment and with uh, uh, Draghi expected, I guess, next week for, you know, this QE moves. Um, so, you know, we'd essentially stay long U.S. fixed income, uh, but a bit more conservatively mm -hmm. and a little bit more aggressively in Europe and Japan and the rest of the world where uh, the deflationary pressures still are significant. And in terms of commodities, um, we're likely to stay kind of relatively uh, short to flat in commodities and with opportunistic, I guess, long trades, as we saw in 2014 in, sure. in their meats, for example. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so, I mean, those are kind of the big trades, I guess, and that in a way kind of reflects the state of the global economy in some ways uh, today. So we, we're quite pleased to see that our positioning is just, you know, the portfolio has just aligned itself to that kind of um, um, uh, scenario. Mm -hmm. And that being the case, uh, I think for CTAs, uh, they should continue to be uh, opportunities uh, there. Uh, let's not expect any big growth, inflation type of um, uh, trades. In other words, risk assets like commodities soaring, etc. Although there is an argument for you know whether these markets have got um, you know beaten up so badly that perhaps they're posing to be you know um, to provide some value at this point in time. Uh, certainly, oil. Um, um, the way it was going, I thought we'd probably find you know challenge at the $40 or so bottom, but it seems like it's picked up a bit, but who knows, it could be just a short-term reaction in the markets. Um, but regardless, I think we are going to see some volatility. So right. CTA is generally with their, stay with the system basically, because mm. you've done well, we've all done well in 2014. And I think there are more opportunities to come. The more divergence you have in, uh, in, in the global flows of capital, the more opportunities you're likely to, you know, um, um, be able to take advantage of. Sure, and you're certainly not the only one expecting more divergence in the in in yeah, the world. Absolutely. So, mm -hmm. uh, so I I, yeah. I completely agree with that. Well, you know, let's end it here because that was a great insight as well, also to uh, the new year as as investors look into that. Um, and it is a short episode, so. Um, and of course, you know, if people want to hear much more from you anyways, there is plenty of opportunity by going back and listening to our previous conversation on Top Traders Unplugged. So I want to thank you again, Arif, for being on the podcast, for sharing your insights. 
I want certainly to congratulate you and your team on a very solid year last year. And I want to wish you and, and your firm all the very best for 2015. And I look forward to catching up later in the year. Thank you very much, Niels, and uh, wish you the best of luck because I see that the number of um, podcasts and the attention it's getting has been significant. So you're doing a great job. I appreciate that. Thank you so much and all Thank the best. You. Take Thank care. you. All the Bye. best. Bye. Thanks for listening to Top Traders Unplugged. If you feel you learned something of value from today's episode, the best way to stay updated is to go on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show so that you'll be sure to get all the new episodes as they're released. We have some amazing guests lined up for you. And to ensure our show continues to grow, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes. It only takes a minute and it's the best way to show us you love the podcast. We'll see you next time on Top Traders Unplugged.